All right, so Joshua 13, and last week in chapter 12, we saw a list of all the battles that Israel had won, and that's pretty much all it was. It was just telling us who they defeated, and uh, not much more to it than that. We explained the purpose of that, why a chapter like that's in the Bible, and here in chapter 13, basically what we're just seeing here is after they defeated those kings, these are the people that got the land, and it's just showing us how the land was divided up. We see in verse 1 it says, And Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. This is the land that yet remaineth, all the borders of the Philistines and all Geshurai, from Sihor, which is before Egypt, even unto the borders of Ekron, northward, which is counted to the Canaanites, five lords of the Philistines, the Gazathites, the Ashdothites, the Eshkelonites, the Gittites, and the Eshkelonites, or the Gittites, and the Ekronites, and the Ivites. And all those groups right there, we're going to hear about those groups when you get into the book of Judges. Okay? And we talked about this before. It was not for Joshua to conquer that, uh, those people during that time. That was going to be a battle for the next generation. But understand, it was something that was that they, it was not God's will for them to deal with it then, but it was God's will for them to deal with it in the future. And we all know that they did not completely follow the Lord. And so these people were a huge problem for them. These people could have been like the kings that we saw in chapter 12, where it was just defeat, 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 defeat. If they would have kept obeying the Lord, that's what it had been. They would have just been another name on a list just like that but they didn't follow the Lord. And we're reading the book of Judges and we're seeing all the trouble these people caused. And so we know a lot of things about them. For example, the Philistines. I mean, the Philistines, we constantly hear about them. We know the stories of Samson with the Philistines. It mentions the Gittites. Does anybody know a very famous Gittite? Goliath. Goliath of Gath. And in another book, refers to him as Goliath the Gittite. So uh, if they had taken care of him in the next generation... Like, if they'd have been obedient, we would have never had the David and Goliath story. But either way, God took care of it. But this chapter, okay, there's not a whole lot we can talk about specifically from this chapter. One thing that's worth noting in verse uh, 22, it mentions, Balaam, also the son of Beor, the soothsayer, did the children of Israel slay with the sword among them that were slain by them. They took out Balaam, which was good, because he was the one that got him to commit fornication during Moses' day and got thousands of them killed. He couldn't curse them. He was not able to put a curse on Israel because they were God's people, but he figured out if I can get them to disobey God, if I can get them to commit fornication, then they'll be under the wrath of God. And so he did. He deceived them into doing that. So he couldn't curse them. You know, that's just kind of how the devil is with us as Christians. He can't get us, but you know what? If he can get us to disobey God and do things, he can hurt us really bad. And so it was nice seeing Balaam kind of get what was coming to him. And, and every time you ever see him mentioned again in the Bible, it's just always bad. He's a comparison of a false prophet. Or they compare the false prophets to him. Uh, really bad guy. So, again, you know, what do you do with a chapter like this where there's just not a lot that will preach in this chapter? Well, what we're going to do today, though, is we're going to talk about the basically the terms and conditions of keeping the land. Because here we see a major... Or you could say uh, it's a major fulfillment, but it's really only a partial fulfillment because God had promised Abraham over 400 years earlier that he was going to give them that land. And so here we see part of this coming to pass, part of this being fulfilled of God giving them the land just like he said he was going to do. Now today, people still like to argue and talk about the land. People still like, people, Christians, Baptists, are still today trying to tell us that people who uh, say they are Jews and are not but do lie, that they have title to the land because of DNA, because of bloodline. They're saying they have title to the land. Well, my question is, have they ever read the title? Have they ever read the terms and conditions of that contract? Because that's what we're going to do tonight. Because understand, this is part of it. Okay? This is part of it. Under the Old Covenant... The land was a very important thing, and throughout history, land has been a very important thing. Now, in America today, we don't think much of it because in reality, we don't really own land, do we? Okay, we don't really own land. 
You know, when they can come and tax you on your property, you don't really own land, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, hate, to, I hate to ruin things for you. But, you know, we're basically are living in a country where there's a ruling class and a serving class. And in case you're wondering where you're at, we're all in the serving class. Okay? We're all in the serving class. But, you know, we don't complain too much because our masters take care of us pretty good. You know, we're eating pretty good. You know, we got a lot of modern conveniences because, you know, they're giving us the Internet. They give, you know, water, all these things. Uh, they've built these roads for us. So we're just like, take our freedom. You can have it, you know. And then we're all going to complain this year when they're forcing us to get a shot. Well, they've been setting us up for this, folks. That's why they've been force-feeding us all this stuff. They did, we've just been setting ourselves up. Another story for another day. But, you know, again, this, is, this concept of possessing land is just kind of foreign to us. And these lands, it, they, it went to the different tribes. And later in the Bible, we see how even with those tribes, they broke it up. Uh, they divided those sections up for the tribes between different families. And the land was always supposed to stay in that family. And so under this old covenant that these, these land deals were very important, so it, of course there would be a record in the Word of God of when they possessed the land and who got the land. Because this is fulfillment of prophecy. This is major. This is something that they're supposed to follow for the rest of their history. And you know what? Forever they were supposed to follow it. Forever. What happened? Well, they violated the terms and conditions, all right? And we're going to get to that. They were supposed to do it forever. Israel needed this land if they were going to be able to raise up a people that could keep the law of God or at least survive until the seed came that was prophesied, Jesus Christ. And so something we need to understand about the Old Testament is it is a contract between God and the people of Israel. And here's the neat thing about this this contract, okay? This Old Testament, it's not you know contracts are one of the most boring things in the world that you could ever read, aren't they? Okay, you know they're they're boring. But in the Bible, it's not we're we're not reading just the contract, you know, the all the legal stuff. It also tells us the story behind it. It tells us the story of how the land was promised to them, how they got the land. It tells the origin of the people. Uh, that possessed the land. It tells us the origin of the people who had the land before them and why God drove them out. There's a lot of great stories in there. All of them are there for a reason. We went through that when we were going through the book of Genesis. And so, um, these stories behind everything that took place, you know, they also include the actual words of God spoken from His mouth that were penned by Moses where God promised them the land where God made a covenant with them. And listen, the Word of God can't be broken. It, and unfortunately today, people are only cherry-picking words of God and not going with all the words of God because there are terms and conditions. And these things were very important. And we're going to look at them. And so we're, we can see exactly what these are. And, and the book, you know, after the books of Moses, we have a detailed record of Israel's performance of this contract. Now, how did Israel do? Not very good. Okay? They, did, they did really bad. Okay? So Joshua chapter 13 is an important chapter because God had promised Abraham that He was going to give the land to Abraham's seed, not descendants. Now, you all know this, but folks, we're, we're, there's, sometimes we do a bad job communicating. We've got to make sure we communicate this good. And, I, and a lot of this, you're going to think, all right, well, this is elementary here. We've got this stuff down. Now, we're going to go to upper level stuff here, all right? Okay? We've got major forces that work against us on these things. You're one of my favorite preachers, still one of my favorite preachers, just put out a book I've, I've been reading against Preacher of Rapture and everything. I've read about half of it. Oh, man. It's just... Let me tell you, it's only strengthened my faith in our position, folks. We are right. <laughs> I mean, we are so right. It's not even funny. And, and, I, and I'm not going to name this guy because all the weirdos will investigate him and call him a heretic and devil and all that kind of stuff and preach against him. And then plus, too, I, you know, I'm gonna, I want to talk to him about his book before I talk publicly about his book. But uh, at the same time, I'm reading, I'm reading this book trying to find out right, you know, where are we failing to communicate? Because he actually does a pretty good job of representing our position when it comes to most things. Whenever he would state what you know, our side believes, 
he would state it correctly. Now, his response to it was not even close to debunking anything. But at least when he would state what we believe, he wasn't strawmanning us. And I, I appreciate I appreciated that. So, you know, I'll give him respect for that. I haven't got through the whole book yet. But at the same time, I, I'm reading this book trying to find it all right. Because I do believe the man's sincere, loves the Bible, loves the Lord. And so I'm asking myself, all right, where are we failing to communicate? Because clearly there's some things he doesn't understand about a position. And I do think there's some areas where we could do a little better job making sure we're clear on what we mean and how, we're, how we define things, how we explain things to other people. Because and, and, sometimes we do our side. I don't. Uh, no, sometimes, sometimes people on our side contradict themselves a little bit in their interpretation. And if you do that, the other side's going to pounce on that. They're going to zero on that. We don't ever want to, we don't want to contradict ourselves. We don't need to contradict ourselves because we're right. When you're right, you don't have to co- contradict. You know, everything can fit if you're right. It's when you're wrong, you have to contradict yourself. So let's not make these mistakes. So let's look at uh, some of these verses about the land. And then um, we, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to, I want to help you understand how to interpret all of these things because we don't want to ignore anything. So obviously Genesis 12 is the main place people like to go to. Genesis 12 Verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Crystal clear prophecy about Jesus right there. About Jesus in Jesus all the nations of the earth were blessed. Okay? Proof of that is Acts 3.25. You should write Acts 3.25 next to Genesis 12 in your Bible. And verse 25, uh, Acts 3.25 says that ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So right there, he quotes Genesis 12, 3 and says, that was Jesus. And Jesus blessed you, Israel. He didn't say, hey, you're a blessing to the whole world, Israel. That's not what he said to them. You know what he said? No, Jesus blessed you in turning you from your iniquities. Also, write down Acts 3, 26, Next to Romans 11, when it says, this is my covenant, I'll make them, um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but when it basically says new covenant, like given it to Israel, and talks about turning them from their iniquities, they act like that's coming in the future. Okay? No, that already happened. Jesus already came and he did that when he died on the cross. He made remission for the sins of Israel. That's what it was for. For the people of God. That's who he made remission of sins for. He said, well, what about us? Well, you got to be Abraham's seed, folks. You got you have to be Abraham's seed to get in on that. And I know you know how that goes, but I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So let's keep let's keep reading, because in verse seven of Genesis chapter twelve, it said because another thing you got to remember too, something that you know we need to understand about the the preaching that is recorded in the New Testament. We have literal sermons. That they're preaching. That's what we're seeing in Acts three. Okay, these are these. Are, this is preaching. The book of Romans is preaching, and it's preaching with a text, with many texts from the Old Testament. So much of the New Testament is quoting the Old Testament. Even when Jesus preached, Jesus used the Bible. He used the Old Testament. He quoted from it all the time. And they so they when and when these guys were preaching, they weren't preaching new things necessarily. You know what they were doing? They were revealing new revelations from the Old Testament. They were revealing things that were not understood before. But these things that they were revealing, they didn't pull them out of the air. And it wasn't even from new writings because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. These things that they were revealing were from the Old Testament. And so they didn't understand what Genesis 12.3 meant before Acts 3.28 was written. But after it was written, it was revealed through preaching exactly what that meant. So and and they didn't said so they didn't pull it out of the air, 
They pulled it from the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit revealed it to them. And that's what a lot of the preaching is we see. And so, uh, in verse 7 of Genesis 12, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Okay, Now, here in verse 7, the seed is mentioned. And we all know Galatians 3. All right? but, but here's where we've got to make sure we're accurate. We've got to make sure we fully understand something. We need to fully grasp this concept. Otherwise, the Zionists are going to pull Scriptures at random from places in the Old Testament and you're not going to know what to do with it. They're going to trip you up when they get out of Genesis 12 and go to places like Genesis 17. They're going to trip you up if you're not careful. But here's the thing about Abraham's seed. It's not just Jesus. Okay, you all understand that? It's not just Jesus. Sometimes, when he's talking about Abraham's seed, he's talking about a lot of people. In fact, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about the congregation. You say, well, wait, doesn't that create a problem for us? Absolutely not. It does not create a problem for us at all. But we can't always act like that it's only talking about Jesus because we're going to see examples where it's clearly talking about multiple people, a congregation. And, uh, and it's, we've got to make sure... We understand this. So, um, in verse, uh, so turn over to Genesis 17. Okay, so before we go to Galatians 3, in Galatians 3, in this book, there's a whole chapter on uh, does the church called does the church replace New Testament church replace Old Testament Israel? I think is what it's called. Galatians 3 is never touched. It's never touched. Now imagine. Writing a book debunking replacement theology and not going to our main chapter. Imagine that. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I, you know, sometimes I believe Mandela effect, and it's like it got added into my Bible. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, I don't believe in the Mandela effect, but I, I think there's something in you that when you believe Zionism, you are literally blind to Galatians three and four. And it's like once you take that off, it's like it's like two new chapters got added to the Bible, and then you and then you want to preach out of it all the time. You don't avoid it. I mean, I, I just I, it really is amazing that it didn't get touched. But let's go to Genesis 17 because I, I think we forget this. We need to know how to address this. After one of the videos I put out where I felt like I nailed it, you know, when it came to Israel a while back, I had a preacher call me, uh, and very kindly, you know, just. Uh, Saying, so, you know, I understand certain things, but what about? And he went to this chapter here, and I thought these were legitimate questions that he brought up. But in Genesis 17 verse 7, it says, "And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations." So he mentions seed, but he mentions their generations too. So is he only talking about one person? Well, obviously he's talking about many people. But here's what you got to remember: remember this phrase, and you need to know how to explain it. Remember, there's a difference between Abraham's seed and sometimes it's more than just Jesus and Abraham's descendants. You must remember that. Folks, we are King James only for a reason. Almost every other Bible says descendants and it changes everything. Folks, it changes everything. If you change that word from seed to descendants, it changes everything. The Bible does not make any sense. The Bible contradicts itself. The Word of God is broken. If it says descendants and not seed, there is such a big difference. There is such a big difference. And we're going to see this. So it says, but, uh, Thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant. This is forever. To be a God unto thee and thy seed after thee. There's no doubt he's talking about a physical people here. And he said this covenant is everlasting. And so, it's, so generation shows us that the seed doesn't have to only be Jesus Christ Himself. Verse 8 says, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So this is definitely talking about people. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. Now here, here's terms and conditions, folks, right here. He said, You've got to keep my covenant and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant between, betwixt me and you. 
And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thine house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. So notice this covenant that God gave, the everlasting one that they want to talk about. When talking, when saying, I, I get the spiritual stuff. I get it. We're, we're, we're Abraham's seed in Christ. I get that. We're spiritually fine. I'll, I'll give you that. That's what people will say. But no, God gave something for an everlasting covenant for a physical people. They've still got something. But right here, we see here, and, and they'll say, and, and then they'll say he has it by promise. It was a promise. It was an unconditional covenant that God gave. Well, folks, this is not an unconditional covenant right here. This is not an example of an unconditional covenant. Yes, he is talking about a physical people right here, you could say, but this covenant is not an unconditional one. There's conditions because it says if you break this covenant, you're cut off from among the people. You're cut off from among the people because you've broken his covenant. This, this can't be any more clear. This is not unconditional. This is not unconditional you break the covenant, you're cut off from among the people. When the, and they do, they like to bring up this verse because it says everlasting, but it also this is conditional. So, and man, I, there's so much there's so much to this. This these people are missing. Man, if people would get their heads screwed on straight, there's so much more Bible they could preach. It, and but anyway, so that, you know, there's no doubt there is a way to cease from being the people of God. Under the old covenant, and you know how you cease from being the people of God? When you broke the law. When you broke the law, cut off. Now, here's the question. Did anyone from Israel ever keep the law? Yes. Only one. Jesus. So guess what? The promise is going to get fulfilled that's, that's here because somebody kept the law. There was one who didn't get cut off. There was, well, and you could say he did because you know, the Bible does say cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He did get cut off, became cursed for us, but something happened. He rose again from the dead, didn't he? Amen. He rose again from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered sin. He conquered everything. And he was from Israel that did it. So Genesis 17 is definitely going to be fulfilled, but it's fulfilled through Jesus Christ. You say, well, what about everybody else? They got cut off because they all broke the law. Well, so is Jesus going to get, be the only one? No, because you can get grafted back in, can't you? Yeah. And there were people of faith in the Old Testament. And, and, and I, don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself there. But I'm going to show you this right here in Genesis here in a little bit. So it is so important that we understand that fulfillment of the physical promises are fulfilled through Jesus Christ. They're not fulfilled through Jews. They're not fulfilled through an ethnic people. The only thing that they fulfilled was they survived until the seed came. Once the seed came, they're irrelevant. They don't, they don't matter. And when I say they don't matter, their Jewishness doesn't matter anymore. Their, their tribe doesn't matter anymore. Their genealogies don't matter anymore. That, that does not matter. We don't care. Irrelevant. Because it's about being in Christ now because He is the only one from Israel that ever kept that law. He's the only one that wasn't cursed and cut off. Or, and even though He was cursed because He died, that was Him becoming a curse for us. And He conquered that and He rose from the dead. So, you ha so again, you have to be in Christ. So here's what we've got to do. Because what people want to do when they still want to give the land to the Jews, especially when you believe, bring up Galatians 3, is they say, well, we're Abraham's seed spiritually, but God still has something for the physical Jews because there were unconditional promises in the Old Testament. And it's as if they've never read those, they've never read those passages. And it's as if they've read, never read the promises. Did you ever actually go and read that? I mean, ha have you ever done that? So how can we briefly explain, and this is what, you know, they'll, they'll tell you this. There are conditional promises in the Old Testament and there are unconditional promises. That's a true statement. 
Okay? Now, we can't possibly go through the entire Bible tonight and, sh and me give you a detailed list of unconditional promises and conditional promises and then try to show you where Israel broke all of them. Okay? Uh, that, that would take too much time. We'd have to go through the entire Old Testament. But how can we briefly explain these things so we can, when you're reading your Bible, you can easily identify them? So when a preacher gets up and he wants to cherry pick one of those verses, you can right away know, you know, what category he's in. How, how can you do this? All right. So for, let's go to Genesis 15. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. This is very, very important. All right. So this, so this isn't, we're not doing the elementary replacement theology stuff. All right. We're going into high school stuff. I, I wouldn't call this the college level, but we're, we're going into the higher, higher level stuff here. In Genesis 15, verse 3, it says, And Abram, Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. This is after Genesis 12, when God promised he was going to give him that land to his seed. Here he is in chapter 15, some years later, he doesn't have a seed yet. And lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is a very important verse right here because this very moment is referenced in the New Testament as proof of our salvation that we claim that does not include works. That's what this, in Romans chapter 4, verse 1 says, And what should we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh is found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So notice what is highlighted here in Genesis 15. Abraham's faith. You know what's not highlighted in Genesis chapter 15? Abraham's works. That's not highlighted there. His faith is highlighted. And Paul referenced that to prove. Now, why did he, why did he go to this particular spot? Because we see you know, Abraham doing great works and great faith when he went to kill Isaac. Well, isn't that a better story? Why did he go to this one? You know why he went to this one? Well, verse 9 says, Cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. When did circumcision come? That was in, Gen that was in uh, Genesis 17. God hasn't given him that law yet. That hasn't come yet. These promises that, a that God gave Abraham... God gave him these things because of his faith, not because of his works. Okay? This, is, this was all about faith when God gave him these promises and he gave him the sign of the circumcision. And so in uh, Genesis 15, verse 7, notice it says, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Like, how am, I, how am I going to know I'm going to inherit it? And he said unto him, Take an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took him all these, and divided them into the midst, and laid each piece, one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years and also that nation whom they shall serve while I judge and afterward they shall come out with great substance and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and thou shalt be buried in a good old age but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those parts. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, Genesis 15 
is one of the main passages people go to to prove that the land belongs to physical Jews. But notice in Genesis chapter 15 that the promise that God made to Abraham before circumcision. So you're reading that in there. No, that's what Paul brought up. Paul emphasized that this was something that he did by faith before circumcision that God promised that land to him and to his seed. Okay? Now, here's the thing. In Genesis 17, we see God... Or well, so in Genesis 15... I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah, so now, Genesis chapter 15, God gives the, the promise to Abraham because of his faith. There's no doubt because of his faith. Not because of his performance of the law. But does anybody know what happened in chapter 16? Take a, take a look and see what happens in chapter 16. In chapter 15, God gave Abraham a promise because of his faith. And it was a promise that his seed would inherit the land. In chapter 16, Abraham does something really bad, doesn't he? He has a, woman, a child by a bondwoman named Ishmael. Now, if Genesis 15 is a promise to Abraham's descendants, then Ishmael gets the land too, doesn't he? But you know what? We see in Genesis 17 that God is giving a physical, conditional covenant to Abraham. And the physical, conditional covenant was one of circumcision. Now, while Ishmael was circumcised, that was not something that his people did. That was something that the Jews did, and they were the ones that inherited the land. You know why? Because Abraham's seed that God promised it to in chapter 17 was not just people that descended from him, but it was people who were keeping the law and doing the circumcision. If they didn't do it, they were cut off, weren't they? If they didn't keep the law, they were cut off from the people. So Abraham's seed was a people who were keeping the law. That's who Abraham's seed were. People who were keeping the law or doing the circumcision. And that came in chapter 17 after his sin in chapter 16 because Abraham's got another descendant, but God doesn't want the land going to just everyone who physically comes from Abraham. It was supposed to go to a promised seed, which was Isaac. Okay? Which was Isaac. That's who God intended it for. That, not, which, not the one that was of the flesh, but the one that was of the Spirit. Okay, And now you're hearing me call the ones of the circumcision Abraham's seed. And yes, you are. You are hearing me say that. They were Abraham's seed unless they broke the law. If they broke the law, they weren't Abraham's seed anymore because they were cut off from among the people. That's exactly what God said in Genesis. In the chapter where they want to go to, to say it's theirs forever. But wait, God said if they break the law, they're cut off. So can you find some Jews over there in the synagogue of Satan today that haven't broke the law? I can find something where they've all broke the law. So guess what? They're cut off. Okay? They are they, they are cut off. So, you say, well, that just pretty much leaves it for nobody but Jesus. Well, not necessarily. Let, let, let's, keep, let's keep looking at some things. Because everyone... Uh, so yeah, so here's how we spot can easily spot the unconditional from the conditional promises. The ones that are about faith are unconditional. Okay? Just go read through. When you see a promise that was unconditional, it was always based on faith. Every time. Unconditional promises are based by faith. Conditional ones are ones that are based on the law. Okay, If you see a promise that has a condition, the condition is that you obey this law. And nobody obeys the law, folks. No, nobody obeys the law. Every one of Abraham's descendants who are also of faith will receive this inheritance and those of us who are not his descendants will inherit it with them because we are joint heirs with the one Jew who did keep the law. So we are, we are Abraham's seed just as all those who were of faith in the Old Testament. Because people in the Old Testament who had faith like Abraham, guess what? They received the promise of Abraham. Now, the ones who are just physically of Abraham, like Ishmael, 
or like Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, or like the generation that was in the wilderness who God said, children in whom is no faith. Guess what happened to them? Cut off. They, they got cut off. They get nothing. So, you know, where are those people today who have kept the law and are worthy of the land? And you know what? Because there actually are some. But you know what? Because the Bible says Abraham didn't receive the promise, but he did see it afar off. And you know where those people are who the land was promised to that were worthy because they were Abraham's seed? They're all in graves right now. And they're going to be resurrected at the rapture. And they'll inherit the land then. Abraham, David, then like them, they will receive it. Now, turn over to Galatians 3. Say, well, I, you know, I, I see what you're saying, but you know, that's a good theory. But, you know, I, I need more proof than that. Well, let's go to this magical chapter that just magically appears in people's Bibles once they accept the truth of replacement theology. So we'll start reading in verse 10. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 27. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, I mean, God just gives a whole bunch of curse if you do this, curse if you do that. And all the people shall say amen. And all the people shall say amen. It's just a whole list of things. And after it goes through this whole list, it's just like, you're cursed if you break any of the laws. And all the people shall say amen. You know what that is? That's them agreeing to it. You know, though, when those Jews, when they read that, we saw in Deuteronomy where they read it, we saw in Joshua, where Joshua got up in front of the whole congregation and they read that entire law. They read Deuteronomy chapter 27. And the people all agreed to it. This land is yours, but you've got to keep the law. And you know what they did? They said, Amen. So guess what that means? If they don't keep the law, then you lose, folks. You don't get to complain after that. You violated the terms and conditions of the land deal. You violated it. And so they have nothing to complain about. So verse 11 of Galatians 3 says, but that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Now, what people want to do with this, you know, when they try to, like, ah, I get it, you know, spiritually Abraham's seed. But, you know, this is, this is just talking about spiritual stuff. This is talking about salvation stuff. No, it's not. This is talking about those unconditional promises of the Old Testament. That's what this is talking about. This is talking about those unconditional promises in the Old Testament. And it says in verse 11, for the just shall live by faith, verse 12, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So if you are going to say, I, you know, I'm just going to go by the law. Well, you have to live in that law. You've got to follow all of that law. You've got to obey every bit of it. And... Listen, if you have half a brain in your head and you know half the laws, you're going to say, that's really bad. You know what I would call it? I'd call it a curse. Yeah. I mean, isn't that a curse? You know, you know, we all know curses. Like, you know, you know if you walk, out, you know, walk under a ladder, you know, and a black cat crosses your path, your day is cursed. Right? You do something, it's a curse, right? And we're scared of those things. You know, breaking a mirror. All the superstitions that people have, and those are all fake. Well, guess what? These ones are real. You do any of these things, you're cursed. And that means you die and you go to hell. That means you lose all those promises. You lose your inheritance. You die. And you go to hell. That, that's, that's a bad curse. And imagine walking through life and it's like you break any law. You're going to hell. That's a curse, folks. But guess what? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Yet you have people out there saying, nope, the land's theirs. Based on what? Law. But they violated it. They broke, they broke the law. They, there's no way. But that's what they claim. So it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Understand, Christ was cursed, but it wasn't because of anything He did. It was because of what the people did. It was because of sin. It was because of what we did. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's in, that's in Deuteronomy chapter 27 that He referenced that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, 
Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not in the seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant was, that was confirmed before God and Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. The law doesn't cancel out the promise. You all understand? The law doesn't cancel out the promise. Yes, Israel violated the terms of Genesis chapter 17. They violated the terms of everything. It doesn't cancel out the promise, but the problem is the promise only goes to Abraham's seed. So here's the thing. When I say that there was more than just Jesus that was Abraham's seed, and there was Abraham's seed in Israel during that day, understand, if you were to go back then and you were to look at these Jews who were circumcised, in a sense, you could say they were Abraham's seed. The problem is every one of them broke the law and so then they lose it. But the thing is, throughout the Old Testament, we also see people who are of faith. And the Bible in the New Testament, it always goes back to their faith to prove their righteousness. It did it with David. It did it with even Abraham. It took the greatest of them. And you know what it highlighted? It highlighted their faith. Because their faith is why they were Abraham's seed. So you could say they were Abraham's seed because they did the circumcision. The problem is, we investigate their lives, we see where they broke other laws, so they all, while they were there at one time, they all got cut off. Just like I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. You know, and so just like a child is born safe, eventually, they reach that knowledge of accountability. They sin against God. And you know, spiritually they die and they will go to hell if they don't get saved first. And so it was like that with the children of Israel. Every one of them at some point were cut off unless they were of faith. Then they were sealed. They were Abraham's seed and the promises were theirs. The promises, And they'll still get them. They will still get them someday because even though they broke the law, we can show that you know, the law doesn't make the promise of no effect. Abraham broke the law too. In Genesis 15, God promised him these things because of his faith. Genesis 16, he breaks the law. But you know what? He still gets it though, doesn't he? Because the promises aren't about the law. They're about faith. And Abraham had faith. Where was I? Verse uh, 18, For the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So if a, if a person's only claim to the land is their ancestry, that's by the law. So if, if, if that's all these people got, why, why are you telling me the Jews should get that land? Because of their ancestry. That's by the law. Genesis 15 doesn't apply to them. That was to Abraham's seed. That wasn't, that was, God didn't give that to Abraham because he was circumcised. He gave it to him because of his faith. And the Bible's very clear we have to be of faith to be Abraham's seed. So wherefore then serves the law? So why do we even have the law? Why did it even come? It was added because of transgressions. That's why we keep seeing things added to it. At first it was just pretty much a circumcision. But things kept getting added to it because they kept sinning. They kept messing up. And folks, if you know, there is so much that is just not talked about that was added after the Babylonian captivity. So much is added, so much changed after that Babylonian captivity that's just not talked about that people don't even understand what was going on when Jesus showed up at his triumphal entry, what was going on. They don't understand what he was looking for. They don't even understand why he was there. They don't understand why he drove the people out of the temple. They don't, they don't understand any of those things. And that stuff is all so significant. But the thing is, most of the attention is focused early on here. But the thing is, they violated the, the terms of uh, Leviticus chapter 26, which we'll try to get to in a second. I'm running out of time here. And it changed, it changed a lot when that happened. And they failed after God gave them, all right, here's the new plan for you. Here, here's what we got for you. But they messed it up too and they killed Jesus. I don't know if y'all realize they weren't supposed to do that. God always knew they were going to do it, but they weren't supposed to. You know they weren't supposed to kill John the Baptist? That was bad. You know Jesus was mad at him when they did that? 
When He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, God needed to forgive them because they weren't supposed to do that. It wasn't supposed to go down that way. Jesus was always supposed to die. But I, I believe it was God's will that it was done solely by the Romans. Okay, And I don't want to go too much into opinion on speculation on that. Obviously, God always knew what was going to happen. But God always knew they were going to disobey Him. So there had to be a command that was given that they were supposed to follow for them to disobey. And, and, and we, we, don't, we don't even look to see what that is. Nobody's looking to check and see what were they actually supposed to do. It's, boy, it's very eye-opening and enlightening when you look in, into that. But the law does not cancel out promises, but those who are of faith, they're still okay. So this, these very passages in the Old Testament that are about unconditional promises are the Scriptures that the apostles used to prove our salvation without works. And so for preachers to then go and claim those promises are for unbelieving, faithless Jews is just beyond ignorant. Why, why would you do that? God did give that land to the Jews, but they lost it by not keeping the law. And God gave them chance after chance. God even removed them from the land and then God restored them to the land and fulfilled prophecies of Jeremiah that they act like are still going to come after the 70-year captivity. And then God gave them some more instructions and they failed again. Okay? The seed finally came. And you know what they did? They said, Let, this is the heir. Let us kill him. So it says in Matthew 21:38, When the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore the vineyard cometh, what shall he do to those husbandmen? They say unto him, he's going to save all of us. When the husbandman comes, since we killed his son, he's just going to save all of us because we're Jews. No, he said, he will miserably, miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard to other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits of their season. Sounds like somebody got replaced. That's what it sounds, that's what it sounds like to me. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures? I think he put that in there for the dispensationalists. The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. I don't like that term replacement theology. Alright, well, let's call it taken from and given to someone else theology. That's more biblical, right? doesn't sound as good, but it's more biblical. They're going to have a harder time debunking it. You know, Because when Sam Gipp goes through and he goes through all these R words... Remember when he did that? God said he was going to restore. He was going to do all these things. You know what word you can't find? Replace. Well, yeah, he got me there. All right. I can't find the word replace, but I can find taken from you and given to another nation. <laughs> I can find that. Bring forth the fruits of And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. And on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Doesn't sound like they're going to get it saved. When the chief priests and Pharisees had heard that his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. And they called them anti-Semitic. You know, they called him Hitler. You know, they called him all these things. When they sought to lay hands on them, they feared the multitude because they took him as a prophet. So now, so even though the Jews killed Jesus, the heir, notice how his blood that he shed was payment for every one of their transgressions of the law. He died for Israel. He, he, he died for them. It was for remission of their sins. So they could have the inheritance again. Even though they killed the heir, Jesus went to the cross so those people who killed Him could still have the inheritance. But all they have to do is accept Him as their Messiah. And all their failures would be cleansed. All those laws that they broke would be cleansed. If they'll just accept them as the Messiah because blood cleanses them from sins. That's the only way, folks. That's the only way they're getting the land back. It's the only way. They have to accept Jesus as their Messiah. And that it would have worked for them. Same thing applies to Jews today. But understand, if they reject Jesus, they have nothing, they will get nothing. It's not no two ways about it. And we don't and I'm already over time. But Leviticus chapter twenty six. 
Leviticus chapter 26 tells us exactly what God... I mean, God told me exactly... This is one of the best passages for terms and conditions about the land. It says in verse 40, If they shall confess the, the, their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, which their trespass, which they have trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity... Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac. Sounds like you got to acknowledge your sin. And also my covenant with Abraham. Will I remember? I will remember the land. The land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept the punishment of their iniquity because even because they despise my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. And yet for all that, when they shall be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will for all their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt and the side of the heathen that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and the judgments and laws which the Lord made between Him and the children of Israel and Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. God gave them that command, you let the land rest every seven years. They didn't do it for 490 years. They didn't do it. You know what God did? God took, took the land from them. I thought it was an everlasting possession. Well, here's the thing. Would we have everlasting life if we could go to hell for a thousand years like some people believe? That wouldn't be everlasting, would it? What if we, could go for, what if we went, just went for 70 years? Is it still everlasting life? No, it means we can never go if it's everlasting. So the thing, if we went for one minute, it wasn't everlasting. So the fact that Israel lost the land for 70 years, doesn't that prove that it wasn't everlasting? And why wasn't it everlasting? Because they broke the law. Genesis 17 was conditional. Genesis 17, and, and they broke it. Now God restored them to that land, but then they messed up again. Everybody likes to read that like, no, God's going to do this in the future. No, God already did that. God did that in, uh, um, you know, after Jeremiah... And again, again. so what do they got to do now? They have to get saved. That is their only hope. That's it. Physical Israel, is getting, they're getting nothing. The promises were to Abraham's seed. It's going to those who are of faith. And we just happen to be included in that because under the new and better covenant, God broke down the middle wall of partition and Gentiles are included. Thank God for the better covenant. So I hope that helps you understand the difference between, there is a difference between Abraham's seed and Abraham's descendants. We are Abraham's seed, but we're not necessarily Abraham's descendants. And the problem, and boy, any Bible that gets that wrong is in, not a Bible. That's two different folks. That's a major difference. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this uh, chapter in the Bible. Lord, I know it's kind of hard. Uh, reading it, looking at all these details, but Lord, we just see you doing your part. Lord, you always did your part. Uh, and it was Israel that messed up. And Lord, we thank you for salvation where that you've offered us where you do all of it. And uh, Lord, I thank you for that free gift of eternal life. I'm so thankful we don't have to work for it. You've proved to us through the Old Testament we could never get it done. Lord, we are helpless and hopeless uh, without your mer- love and mercy. And we thank you for offering it to us and pray help us to spread that message. And I pray help us to spread that message even to, even to Jews. I pray that you'll stop these mouths of people that are fooling them into thinking they have some inheritance when they have uh, rejected the Messiah and help them to preach Jesus Christ unashamedly, help them not to be afraid to say his name, uh, even if it is an offense to them. I, it's their only hope, and I pray help us to do it this right. In your name we pray. Amen.